Let's talk about Medi-Cal. You have a choice, and Molina makes it easy, especially when it comes to the care you need. So let's talk about you, about making your life easier, about extra help to manage your health. Let's talk about your needs now and for the future. Nobody knows Medi-Cal better than Molina. It starts with a phone call. Call 866-420-5330 or visit meetmolinaca.com. Let's talk today. This is the smell of the leftover tuna fish sandwich you left in your lunchbox over the weekend in a wimpy trash bag. Wimpy, wimpy, wimpy! Blech! And this is the smell of that same sandwich in a hefty, ultra-strong trash bag. Hefty, hefty, hefty! Ah, <sighs> smell the difference? Hefty Ultra Strong has Arm & Hammer with continuous odor control, so no matter what's inside your trash... Hmm. You can stay one step ahead of Stinky. And for a bigger job, try the superior strength of hefty large black bags. Hello and welcome to the third episode of the Pirate Rugby Pod. Thank you so much for being on this journey with us. If you enjoy the show today, please hit the like button, subscribe or leave us a review on Spotify. The more interaction we get, the more it helps us grow and bring Tier 2 Rugby Chat to more people. Hugh, how are you doing, mate? I'm very well, mate. I'm excited to get into it today. I'm sporting my new purchase, which I don't know if you can see it. Can you see it? Yeah, it's, indeed, uh, yeah. It's my new top, which alludes to the um, deep dive topic that we'll get into a bit later. But suppose to say Nike have successfully separated me with more of my money. Uh, Nike, if you're out there, um, send me free stuff or sponsor the podcast, but don't mind which. How about you, mate? How did, you get, how did you get on with this weekend's rugby? All good, all good. Uh, we'll get into it, but yeah, England, the England game was as uh, boring as usual or as expected. But um, yeah, Scotland and France more than made up for it. So yeah, enjoyed the rugby and a few early starts with the NPC, which had overall a great weekend of rugby. Um, so if we want to move on maybe to the to the moment, uh, the rugby moment of the week. Uh, week, what was yours? Uh, so my rugby moment of the week was in the unexpected game, the unexpected televised game televised streamed game um, that we found out about mid-Saturday afternoon, uh, Georgia versus Romania, where we all sprang to YouTube to watch this game that we didn't know was going to be on, which we'll talk about later. Um, And I got to see the Georgians score a few tries, one of which um, was scored by their number. There we go. Welcome back back from the edit, everybody. Um, (laughs) The number seven for Georgia scored a try. His name is Gachichiladze. And he is sporting the most magnificent moustache you have ever seen. It is like a proper, like late 1800s Edwardian thing. Like you could you could sweep your patio with it. It's like proper bushy. It's like something on all those pictures that you see of like the first ever rugby teams, and they're all sat in front of sheds um, with their caps on. It looked like he he belonged in that. Um, Sounds so, like Nick White. Yeah, Nick White. It was like Nick White, except on a much, much bigger man. Um, so if he asks, I love the moustache, mate. Yeah, it looks great on you. <laughs> How about you, mate? What was your moment of the week? Definitely the England game, right? Uh, no. OK, so can we choose an entire rugby game as a moment? Because for me, it was and maybe this is because of how poor the England-Wales game was. But for me, the rugby moment was Scotland v France, seeing Russell yeah. in full flow. It was an absolutely brilliant game. And for me, that was the moment because I think everybody needed it. Like Twitter was, <laughs> it was a, it was brutal. The moment from the game 
would have been Dupont's uh, kicking the ball and making it go flat. Uh, I think Rugby Scoop actually might have found might have found another incident that happening in a either an NPC game or a Super Rugby game. Of course he did, but yeah, there's nothing he can't do. Yeah, it was when um, Kinghorn caught it and was like, oh, it's gone flat. And the thing is, he had France players hairing at him full pelt and he just kind of held it up because it looked like he was calling the mark, didn't it? He? he kind of went, sound like that. Yeah. Like, you can't call the mark there, mate. But he kind of, he held it up and all the French players stopped and went, oh yeah, it's gone flat. But it's, it's, he, could, he could have just gone, the ball's gone flat and still got put into next week by this French player. Um. Yeah, definitely my 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 moment of the the week. Moving on then to the rugby news of the week. Guess we we have to start on Farrell, don't we? Yeah, what do you think? Are England better off without him? Is he? How long is this man going to be? What are your thoughts? Okay, so starting with the ban length first. So I was listening to another pod earlier, and the guy on there said that this would be his third ban in three years for a high shot, which is obviously. You know, the whole thing about Owen Farrell for ages was he always did it and he always got away with it. So he's really flipped on that. And now he's getting more towards the Dylan Hartley sort of disciplinary record of a repeat offender. So obviously everyone said on on Twitter, he's already done the course. I don't think they do postgraduate degrees at the tackling school. So I, he's not, not allowed. Not not yet. Not yet. Um, so he's not allowed to do that again. So apparently the entry point uh going in is six weeks now his bands it is yeah so far his bands so far have been two weeks four weeks and then this is the third one so for me it's got to be six weeks surely if it goes down to four then it's just the same length as his other one and his other one got reduced for going to the tackling school which he's not allowed to do now so Mm -hmm. england have got two warm-up games left obviously world rugby so far seems to have Erred on the side of how can we make sure that these guys are still turning up at the World Cup? Um, that's, you know, Sexton and I think Ferguson's bands have both conveniently ended just in time for the World Cup. I don't know if they can do that this time. I don't know if they'll be able to wriggle out of it. Um, so for me, it's got to be six weeks. And if it's six weeks, he misses the entire pool stage of the World Cup, which is yeah, every single a disaster. Game. Yeah. What do you mean? Yeah. Do you agree, mate? Six weeks? I think it it'll be six. It could be five. Looking at the last uh, sanction that he received, yeah, he got four weeks, and yeah, the entry level for that one as well was six weeks, and it was reduced by two for accepting that he committed an act of foul play. Uh, you know, he showed remorse and he you know issued an apology and and there's and many good conduct. Stupid, there's many stupid things about rugby, but the fact that you get let off for saying yeah, I did it is one of the stupidest things like i don't think we need to tread the path of how stupid is the disciplinary system in rugby because we know very but yeah when you read it aloud like that it just sounds crazy i think he got a letter of commendation from his coach as well which is a bit like getting the letter from your mum saying you're a nice lad you know it's like yeah so so it's safe to say he won't be getting those two weeks and we know we won't because of the um he can't go back to tackle skills so the maximum amount he could get off is a week um, so we'll see. And also, yeah, when you look, they also consider aggravation, don't they? And at the, la- the last time he was banned, he was a repeat offender. Um, but there are also two other factors that consider, like, is there a need for a deterrent 
or any other factors. So will they factor in that? Obviously, they are going to factor in that he's a repeat offender. But will they factor in potentially that there is need there for deterrence? Um, I don't know. Um, maybe because it is interesting that the player did fail his HIA. And hmm. his first one anyway. There's been no word on, on the subsequent ones. Although Gats so, has come out and said that he only failed it because there was a telly on in the in the in the changing room. I don't know. Yeah, I shared that with Progressive Rugby today, and they, yeah, they yeah, they shared that. And they, 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 there are some questions to answer there. I mean, even if even if that is the case, it's it's not suitable I, for a head coach to 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 write that in a national newspaper. No, a lot of people aren't happy. We're talking about brain injury here. Like, let's let, let's mm-hmm. not go there. Like, it's yeah. Um, so yeah, we could see. So I think, but I think realistically, yeah, minimum five and could easily be six. And then you're bringing him, and he can't play in four in three or four games. So it's just, I can't see them yeah. replacing him. So, exactly. so that brings the question of are England better without him? So I want to get your take on this, mate, because there is a view amongst many people on social media that England are better when Owen Farrell doesn't play. I found it hard to get, wrap my head around that. So, what are your thoughts? They're not a better team without them. There's been a lot of chat now about, you know, Ford being the saver and him being a really good player. Uh, he is a good player, but I think uh, for England's style of play, which they're not going to change just because George Ford um, is starting, um, England's style of play is going to be that kick pressure game. You know, we've discussed everybody knows how they play and they're going to stick to that. Um, but when they do stick to that and then they might, and they're chasing a the game, it's it's good to be on forward. He can speed up um play, throw a few a few nice passes, he's a good cross kicker and all that. But he's not I don't think he he's suitable for England's game plan from the outside. He's not as good defensively as Owen Farrell. Having just said that though, obviously. <laughs> yeah, I think no, you know it's true, it's true. Go, Farrell, go, yeah. Opposition coaches openly say we are going to target George Ford, and then they yeah. target George Ford, and then after the game. They say what went well for you, and they say we targeted George Ford. So, you know, I, and I as well because yeah. George Ford was England fly half for a long time, and everybody hated it and said that Owen Farrell should have been in instead of it. I think, for me, I think it, it sounds obvious, but Owen Farrell is England's Johnny Sexton, like, and he, what yeah. Alan Wynne Jones used to be for Wales he as well. The team with and the team without this player, regardless of how informed they are, are completely different teams. And I, I think Farrell is that guy. I thought you did. I thought you played well. I thought everything that England did do well in that game mostly came from Farrell. And I think the idea He's a that brilliant Ford, player. yeah, I think the idea that Ford came on and saved them. George Ford in that game, his game management was good, but to use a to use a posh term, the game state that Ford was in compared to the game state that Farrell was in, were completely different. So Ford was having to manage time with players off the pitch. And in those situations, it's pretty clear what you do. You take your time, you kick to the corner, you don't rush, you walk over to the lineouts and things. George Ford did it, but I don't think Owen Farrell couldn't have done it. Um, and then the other thing was, so for, for England to win that game, what did George Ford contribute? The game management, like I said, he kicked the ball to the corner for um, England to score off their driving wall. Again, I think Owen Farrell could have done that. And he also kicked the penalty goal when Dan Cole won the scrum penalty against um, Test Novice Kamsley Mathias. I think Owen Farrell could have done that as well. So I, if you ask me who saved the game for England, I'd say more Dan Cole coming on at tight head, the uh, octogenarian Dan Cole coming on 
Um, I think that had a bigger impact on the game than Ford did. And I think we... I think we've seen this. It, this is the this is the trap that England have found themselves in, is that they're convincing themselves that these old players that they they dropped years ago are now back in, and they're oh yeah everything will be fine now because he's back. Hang on, I remember when he was here. You hated him. So that's my England rant. Hopefully, it's now finished. Yeah, but I have to yeah I have to agree just on on the George Ford piece. There's been so much chat about him you know being being that difference maker in the game and he wasn't and England are not going to improve with him starting because Steve Borthwick is going to, is going to stick to the plan he's not going to change uh, England's tactics so it's going to be now having said that George Ford he is a very good kicker he is really good at the spiral bombs which England are extremely fond of but yeah he, he's well, not the saviour there but he's making him out to be I thought Marcus Smith was the saviour anyway yeah. Well, when Marcus yeah. Smith was starting 10, no one was saying, oh, we should get George Ford in. I think I th- when people want to sound edgy about music, they say, I don't like the Beatles. When people want to sound edgy about rugby, they say George Ford is better than Aretha. That's my hot take. And moving on, I suppose, <laughs> uh, to, you know, other news in the week, like for you, I know I've touched on it a bit, but what did we learn from from France versus Scotland? Uh, can I be honest? I was so wound up from the Wales England game, um, being a Wales fan, that I struggled to switch and pay attention to this Scotland France game because I was I was getting so many messages and I was talking to so many people and I was so going through everything in my head. Um, but for me, it was. When I did manage to focus on the Scotland France game, it was so mental. Why is a warm up World Cup warm up game this crazy? Like it's great and some fantastic rugby being played, um, brilliant to watch. Um, but it's not what World Cup warm ups are supposed to be like. Um, what did we learn? Um, France is still really good, and Scotland still lose most of the time. That's that's not you know I'm being mean. What did you learn, mate? It I don't know if I learned anything new, but I it definitely reinforced the point that I truly believe that that Scotland can beat anybody on their day. Like for me, Scotland could beat South Africa in the group stages of the World Cup, and they could lose the following week to Italy. That that's how inconsistent they are. But I I truly do believe that they're they're a really good side. But they're not going to go far in this World Cup. Um, they're too inconsistent. Um, but you know what? They're an absolute joy to watch. Um, and they're going to definitely light up that, that group in the World Cup. Um, but touching on this as well, it kind of leads us on to the, to the next question, uh, which you touched on as well, is, you know, how many warmer games, you know, are too many? Like, we've, if you look at this past weekend, like, we've all seen the news this morning about Entomac being out, which is just devastating. Well, it's this past weekend, Ireland, Ireland, were in, Ireland were in Portugal. Ireland are only playing three World Cup warm-up games, whereas most of the other Tier 1 nations are playing four. Why play four? Mm. So to I me. think to, to, to answer this, I think it, let's look at what the Rugby Championship or the Southern Hemisphere teams are doing because they've had to play a tournament and then doing warm-ups. Um, so they're all playing five games. So 
well, actually, no, six because they play that other stupid Bledisloe round that nobody cares about. Um, uh, so tell us how you really feel. I just Argentina, Argentina versus South Africa two weeks in a row. I can't really just get excited about that. Anyway, um, so what do they do? So they the the Kiwis played full strength teams in two of their summer tests. They played Australia away and South Africa at home. They played their first team in Argentina away and Australia at home. They played their B team. Uh, South Africa also played a B team away in Argentina. And according to Eddie Jones, they also played a B team against Australia. Um, Australia don't know what their team is, so they played a team. Um, and Argentina have very, very small pool of players, so just played the team as well. Um, so the, the settled teams, I think what we can take from that is the big, the big nations would only really want to have two games, maybe three tops is what that tells me um scotland played uh their a kind of experimental team first up against italy and then play have played their first team two weeks in a row um so it'll be interesting to see how they pick the team against who are they playing in their fourth game remind me mate this coming weekend georgia they are playing georgia Georgia. So uh, they should play a B team against Georgia, is what I think will happen. Um, so, yeah. So, and then from a France point of view, they've played their first team once. They'll probably play their first team again against Australia, maybe. Um, but in that first team, in that first game, the damage is done. So, Untermach has gotten this horrible injury in the first game. And it wasn't even towards the end of the game either. So I think, sadly, injuries are just part of rugby. I think to the question yeah. of how many warm-up games would a coach choose to have, I think it depends on where your team is. I think if your team is settled, two is plenty. I think if you're like Warren Gatland and you're trying to figure out what your team is, I think three is nice. I think four is just um, balancing the books. To be honest, I don't know, mate. What do you think? We see that in the Autumn Nation series, actually. You might see, um, I think Wales, they usually have an extra game, don't they? Whereas Ireland yeah, usually do. stick to the to the three or four. And again, that's all about player management um, for me. But obviously, wait, you look at the state of Wales rugby, they need cash. So you can understand why they do it. But yeah, I, just, I was just seeing that news about Intimac this morning and then just realising... Number one, that Ireland are in Portugal. And number two, I am so glad that Johnny Sexton is banned at the moment um, <laughs> and that he's been wrapped up in cotton wool because he's a player who doesn't need to play himself in the form. He can yeah. he'll rock up to the World Cup and he'll put in a fantastic performance. Mm. And you know he's driving standards and training anyway and in all the warm-ups and everything. So he, He's selling yeah. forwards that he thinks they're shit. Yes, I can almost guarantee that he's doing that right now. <laughs> Um, so I think that pretty much wraps up the, the major news of the week. Yeah, so I really so want to move on to this. this yeah, so that's guide, the tier yeah, one. Yeah. So that's the tier one news out of the way, guys. So uh, we'll be coming on to the tier two news and we'll give you a rundown of what happened in every single tier two game at the end of the show. So stick around for that. In the meantime, we're going to jump into our deep dive, which this week is about Fiji. Um, 
which is either exciting or terrifying, depending on whether you're in the World Cup pool or not. So Hugh, are Fiji favourites for Pool C? So that's a good question, Ender, and I'll tell you. So the reason that people are excited about Fiji in Pool C is because uh, they're up against uh, Austra Australia and Wales. Um, okay, so are Fiji favourites to qualify from Pool C? So Pool C is kind of the pool of the living dead, shall we call it, in terms of Wales and Australia, two teams that are kind of in a bad place and two teams that people don't rate very much at the moment. So people are getting excited. Can the likes of Fiji or Georgia spring a surprise and come first or even second in this pool? So we thought we'd deep dive into that um, tonight. I've got my wonderful PowerPoint here for all of those watching on YouTube. If you're listening on Spotify, I'll do my best to describe the screen as best you can, best I can. Uh, but if you want to jump over to our YouTube later and have a look at all these visuals, please feel free to do that. Uh, it'd probably make uh, a bit more sense to you. So, like I said, we'll see Fiji up against uh, Portugal, Georgia, Australia, Wales. Now, the interesting thing from a Welsh fan's point of view is that this is the world rankings. So Wales have now slipped down to 10th in the world rankings. Fiji are up to ninth. So going into the World Cup, as we stand today, Fiji are above Wales in the men's rankings. How did that happen? Well, we know what's been happening with Wales, what's been happening with Fiji. They've been in the Pacific Nations Cup, and as we've covered in the two pods so far, they've been having a pretty easy time of it in terms of they are absolutely battering their opposition. They've put 30 points on Tonga, uh, Samoa, and Japan. And the score lines kind of don't do them justice really here. They were pretty much home and dry by half time in every single one of these games. Uh, Japan obviously had the red card against them, but Fiji are really clicking. It's really looking good for them. So I think from a Welsh point of view, if you were scared already, it's time to be double scared, guys. Um, Fiji are coming into this uh, World Cup on white hot form. And how are they doing on the injury front? Do you know if they picked up any injuries or if they're pretty much? I don't believe right? I have. I, I, certainly no big name injuries. Um, I think all of the names that you might expect to be there, I think just aren't there on merit because I think there's some real competition for places um, uh, based on what they've been doing at club level, which is fantastic. Great. And, and speaking of club level, so I'd like to know about the impact that the Fiji and Drua have had on, on this Fiji team? Like, are, are most of the players playing for the Drua? Or are they still mostly playing their trade in, in the top 14? Like, what's that breakdown look like? So, currently, uh, the majority of Fiji players are playing in uh, Super Rugby. So, there probably was a time when, you know, because there was no um, specific club rugby being played in, in Fiji, at least not to what we would think of as an elite level. Um, mm -hmm. All of their players were spread again, uh, uh, across all of the leagues globally. So um, some in Super Rugby, some in Japan, obviously, some uh, in France and some in England. Um, but now they've got the Drua. So the Drua are really exciting to me. They're not, and I don't just mean they're exciting to watch. I mean, what the, the impact of the Drua has the potential to have. 
why do I say that? So anyone who's spoken to me about rugby recently knows that I bang on about this particular podcast. So this is uh, Ben Darwin from Gainline Analytics talking to Rugby Pass. He's just done another one very recently with Raw, which is equally as good, where he talks about um, the cohesion. So Gainline Analytics, their big thing is the cohesion of sides. And Ben Darwin makes the point about how having the relationships with between players is one of the most important things that you can have uh, in a rugby team. And uh, he talks about um, how having settled teams going into World Cups uh, just gives you such a huge advantage. And he talks about how a lot of World Cup winning teams are built around a single club side. And we can see that in, in the current um, tier one nations where England are mostly built around Saracens, Ireland are mostly built about, around Leinster. Sorry, Munster fans. Um, France are mostly built around Toulouse. Uh, and obviously New Zealand mostly built around the Crusaders. Now Fiji have the opportunity to do that with the Drua. So let's just have a look at how the Drua have been doing. So the Drua joined Super Rugby um, last season in 2022 uh, in the remodeled Super Rugby Pacific that came after um, obviously everything got shut down by the pandemic. Uh, and in the first year, they won two games, finished second bottom just above fellow newbies Moana Pacifica. Um, you know, we'll cut them some slack. It's the first year, but this year they've come on leaps and bounds. They've won six games, which is probably more than anyone expected them to win. And they qualified for the playoffs. Now, unfortunately, they got um, the Crusaders uh, in their in their playoff game, which kind of was the end of them, unfortunately. But if you just look at it, six wins compared to two, they cut their points conceded more than in half. So the the points difference at the end of uh, last season was 257 points conceded at the end of this season was 122. It's a huge uh, improvement. And then if I look at my little graph here um, for the games that they've played, what you can see here is uh, they've been competitive in a lot of games. Um, so if you've got points scored along the bottom, points conceded along the top. One thing that I would say is that they conceded less than 20 points in only one game, which was their victory against the Reds. Um, so that's a bit of a worry. They're still conceding too much. In yeah. fact, they only conceded less than 25 in three of their 15 games, which is, you know, Super Rugby is a high scoring league, uh, but that's still a bit too many. But, uh, oh, and also a fun one. If you ever see Moana and Dua are playing against each other, tune in because one game was 36-34 and the other game was 47-46. Uh, so, yeah. Give that a watch if you ever see it come up on Sky. Anyway, so they're competitive. They're competing in games and they got one particularly good scout was they beat the Crusaders in round three of Super Rugby. Crusaders went to Fiji and lost to the Drua. That's huge. And that sense, shockwaves throughout um, world rugby where people go, oh, crap, the Fijians are really getting something together here. So when I go back and talk about cohesion, let's just have a quick look at the team's that they've been playing fielding in Super Rugby. So this is really exciting. So don't worry too much about reading all the players' names. Focus on the changes from game on game. So what I've got here, for those watching along, is you've got the positions of all the players and then you've got who filled that position, starting position, in each of the 15 games they played. And you can see the amount of green in here. If you're green, you started the first game and you 
kept getting picked. So you can see that particularly in the back line, sort of 12, 13, 14, 15, it was the same four players being picked in the vast majority of games. You can see as well here, uh, the nine and 10, Lomani and Teller, um, again, playing to get together week in, week out for the Druid. That's huge. The, the uh, cohesion that these guys are going to be picking up um, from playing together this much. I mean, look at the forward pack as well. You got uh, Nasila Sila, started every single game, every single game. Uh, Ikanuvire as well, uh, Hooker, started all but one games. These guys are going to know each other inside out, and it's going to be second nature for them to be able to transfer their relationships uh, at club level to the Fijian national side. And the exciting thing is, the Fijian national side seem to be recognizing this. So, this is the Fijian squad, right? So, what we got here, all the positions down, down on the left. If the name is highlighted yellow, what that means is they're a Jua player. And you can see that they could field almost an entire team, barring back row uh, and one winger, of entirely Fijian Jua players. Um, so, and super importantly, look at this. You got um, both fly halves and two of the three scrum halves are Drua players. That's huge. That's going to have really lifted their game. Uh, they've been playing months uh, ahead of Teller so far in the Pacific Nations Cup, um, but Teller's been the one starting most of the Drua games. And his partnership with Lamani and that understanding that they're going to have um, at international level is going to remove such a barrier that the Fijians had when they were scattered across the world. So this is really exciting. This is showing that there's a plan in place in Fiji and they're making it happen. Um, and it's bringing through this new crop of stars that aren't just the showiness that we're so used to from the flying Fijians, but also the structure. Um, so I'm really looking forward to it. And having gone through all that, like who are their, who are their star players for those who might know? Okay, so the stars for me, um, the ones to watch out for. So I'm not going to mention the likes of Semi Radradra <laughs> or um, uh, Sam Matavesi or people, you know, players that people are familiar with from watching Northern Hemisphere rugby. So I mentioned some of the guys before. So Lamani um, has been starting scrum half um, week in, week out for the Drua. Ikanivire uh, as well. The hooker, uh, he got a couple of tries internationally recently. I'm uh, really excited to see him come in and, and be the guy to maybe take over the mantle from uh, Matavesi uh, at hooker. Um, I think if I was Fijian, I'd have big big plans for him. He seems to be one of their go-to people. And then a couple of the exciting backs, which we can't um, go without discussing. Rovovo uh, has looked really good. He looked really good in the game against Samoa. was part of their length of the field try. Funny thing about Fijians is uh, with their backs, they're quite position fluid, if you know what I mean. Like they could quite easily field mm -hmm. a whole back line of 13s and it would function because they've all got that basic skill set. They know how to hit a line. They know how to run a support line. They know how to offload and things. So that's exciting. But I think for me, uh, Revovo is one of the standouts who's come through at the Drua. And then, of course, you can't not mention uh, Naya Silevu. Got two tries in the Pacific Nations Cup. Their joint uh, top try scorer. Um, and I think he's captain in the side as well, if I'm not mistaken. So exciting. I, I would see, I think he's the one who's going to be taking up our screens during the World Cup. And I can't wait for it personally. 
And having said all that now, how do you see them getting on at the World Cup? So, uh, exciting slash scary, depending on who you are. Um, so, I think firstly to say, let's look at how they've been getting on recently. So, I mentioned the Pacific Nations Cup. Um, so, there was three games uh, against Tonga Samoa and Japan, like I said. They played completely different 15s in each of those games, which is interesting and potentially scary, depending on how you look at it. So, they obviously, the coach was giving everyone an opportunity and they still won all the games easily. So was it just a case of let's try some combinations? We can see in the second game against Samoa, they played a mostly Druid team. And then in the other two games, like in the final against, game against Japan, they played a mostly European-based team. Um, but in terms of players who played in all three, only three players um, played in all three. Um, so that kind of tells me that the coaches may be still trying to figure out what his best side is. And then he's picked this squad, obviously, after the, the tournament, which seems to be settling more on the Jewish side, which is why I say that's so exciting. But if we look at Fiji's results this World Cup cycle, so since 2019, so obviously we had the pandemic, which massively affected the rugby calendar. But even taking that into account, the Pacific Nations teams play, I think you would be shocked at how few games they play compared to the Tier 1 nations. So to give you a bit of context, um, Australia played 15 test matches in 2022 alone. Fiji, since the last World Cup, have played 17 test matches total. So that's the kind of disparity in game time that we're talking about here. So if we look at what those results have been, we can see that Fiji are mostly beating teams they should beat and losing to teams you would expect them to lose to. So they beat uh, Tonga. They beat Samoa, uh, they beat Japan. They've played a lot of these teams twice. They beat Georgia, which is interesting. Obviously, Georgia are their World Cup pool opponents. They also lost narrowly to Georgia in a surprisingly low-scoring game for those two. In fact, I think it was actually a 15-all draw. Never say that. So that's interesting. Um, they lost heavily to New Zealand. These were some of New Zealand's first games back after the shutdown. Um, where they played warm-up games against... Um, they played Tonga and then they played Fiji twice back to back and both of them were kind of heavy defeats but I'm kind of kind of let them off on that because it was Fiji's first games back as well and New Zealand had super rugby to warm up to that and things so I'm kind of put those two to the side they're still conceding quite a lot so you can see that their opponents their tier one opponents are scoring close to 30 points against them every single time um and you'd have to point out as well that their tier one opponents mostly put out changed teams against them as well. So there's that kind of context to feed into it. But I think um, based on what's happened so far this World Cup cycle, I think Fiji can be quite confident going into the games against Georgia and Portugal. Now, Georgia are phenomenal at the moment, but I think Fiji can back themselves to beat Georgia. I think it's at least an even contest. Uh, and I think they're, they're going to be clear of Portugal. So it's all about Wales and Australia. So here's the interesting thing. So Fiji have got Wales and Australia up first. So Fiji's schedule in the World Cup is on the 10th, they have Wales in Bordeaux. On the 17th, they've got Australia uh, in Saint-Étienne. Then they've got a rest and then they've got Georgia and then Portugal last. So 
mm. is really go big, go go big early for Fiji in this World Cup because they need to win one of those first two games. They've got an opportunity to catch Wales cold. They've also got an opportunity to catch an Australia team who might be quite low on confidence by then. And Australia played Georgia first up. So Australia could be a little bit battered there. I don't think Australia can afford to put out a weakened side against Georgia anymore. So Australia could be a little bit tired from that Georgia game. Um, so that could be an opportunity for Fiji. But if Fiji don't win either of these first two games, their World Cup is essentially over. And that means that when they're going into the Fiji game, so if they lost those first two games, they then have a week to kind of stew on it. And then they go into a Georgia game. Now, Georgia could have something to play for. If Georgia beat either Australia or uh, uh, Wales, I think actually they play Wales second. So Georgia could have something to play for against a potentially demoralised Fiji team. And then obviously Fiji got um, Portugal last, which, like I say, I expect them to win quite comfortably. Um, so it's kind of all on the first two weeks. So it's kind of an opportunity for Georgia as well if it doesn't go Fiji's way. And in terms of not going Fiji's way, Fiji have won one game in each of the last three World Cups. Hugh, why aren't you talking about World Cup 2007? Shut up is my answer to that. Um, but uh, for the last three World Cups, they beat Georgia in 2019 uh, in this completely repetitive pool that we seem to have every single time. Uh, they beat uh, just Uruguay in 2015. They lost to Uruguay in 2019, um, and then they only beat Namibia in 2011. They've got, we, Wales have bloody had Fiji for the last four World Cups in a row. This it's maddening, um, but uh, so their total World Cup record is they've won 11, lost 21, and they've made the quarterfinals three times: in the first World Cup in 87, in 99, and in 2007. So their record in World Cups isn't as good as maybe you think it is. So from a historical point of view, the omens aren't necessarily with Fiji. They tend to not really turn up to World Cups, unfortunately, apart from in 2007, obviously. Um, so, yeah, so I think how will they do? I think the big difference, like I've said so far, is the Drua, um, giving, them, giving them that platform to build on and to build a team around. And going into the World Cup, um, They've got two more warm-up games. So they played the three games against the teams that they were pretty head and shoulders clear of in the Pacific Nations. They now go to France this Saturday. What a mad game is that is. I mean, can you imagine what France versus Fiji is going to be like, depending on what team France put out? And we can actually watch the game live. And we can actually watch the game live. Absolutely scenes of joyous celebration. And then they've got my favourite people, England at Swickenham. Uh, at the end of August before they go into the World Cup. Trust me, England, you will pick up injuries against Fiji. So good luck with that. I can see Borthwick maybe playing the under-20 side in that because he doesn't want Tuolagi to hurt, get hurt or anything like that. So these are teams that you on paper would expect Fiji to lose to. But I think they could give both of these teams a scare, especially if France put out a B team um, like they did against Scotland. And then England aren't going to get into a game of sevens against Fiji. England do have a habit of beating the teams that they should beat um, and normally quite comfortably. But 
I don't know. I think Fiji could give England a scare. And Fiji don't need to win these two games. They just need to have good performances and confidence building results. Like if they finish within a score in both these games, they are going to be going into that World Cup on a massive high. Speaking of massive highs, what's not to be high about with these kits? Fiji have absolutely knocked the kits out of the park. You guys know I love my kits. Um, Fiji have got, in my opinion, the best stash of anyone this World Cup. Um, so they're going to play good and they're going to look good while they do it. So, yeah. So I wonder, I wonder think- if we'll ever get through an episode without you mentioning kits. That's what I live for, mate. I, I hope not. For. I love it. You, you, this is what you signed up for. Anyway, so what? based on what I've said, mate, what do you think? Do you think Fiji are genuine contenders to get out of the pool or am I just getting a bit giddy? I think they're genuine contenders. Uh, when you look at who's in their pool, like they could absolutely be Georgia. Um, they could do a job on Wales. I don't think they will necessarily. I, I, I think, well, let's have a look at it. I think Australia... Despite everything I've said today, I don't think they'll have enough to beat Australia, but I think they could definitely rattle Wales in that opening game and potentially get a result. They'll beat Portugal, and I could see them absolutely beating Georgia. So, yeah, they they could, and wouldn't it be brilliant? Um, I would really kind of, because I obviously a lot of funding has gone into the Drua, so it would just really justify yeah. that decision even more and hopefully lead to more funding because that funding I hope doesn't run out anytime soon so mm. yeah it would just be a testament to, to that that investment that hasn't put into them and I think yeah everybody would be happy. I'm excited for them you know in doing the research for this I've become quite uh, invested in them and some of the players like Joe Asese uh, at fullback seeing what he's done for the Drua and seeing him get his opportunity against Samoa I'm really pulling for the guy um so yeah so it's it's difficult having your second team be your direct competitors um and obviously i hope wales beat them but i'll i'll be pulling for fiji and i hope they finish second of all the teams to lose to though i suppose you could yeah it's like when ireland are playing italy um it's yeah. rare that italy ever beat ireland but you know if when they have and if they ever do it's it's hard to begrudge them yeah, absolutely. Um, but look, mate, that that was that was really fascinating. Uh, and moving on now to the, our tier two section. Um, first point, I guess, again, is that we've had some more game clashes. Really frustrating. We discussed this last week. They, clearly, no one is sat in the middle making the decisions, are they? I mean, again, all the games crammed into Saturday night. I think the earliest kickoff for the international was the Georgia-Romania game at four o'clock. And then it just crashed one into the other, all to get played on Saturday night. And then no games on Sunday. Yeah. There's, there's no Oof. reason why the England-Wales game couldn't have been at three o'clock. There's no reason why the Scotland-France game couldn't have been at two o'clock on Sunday. Just don't care. Just don't care. Yeah. And really frustratingly as well, it turns out that Georgia v Romania was being streamed. Who knew? Uh, on YouTube? Who knew? I we just didn't. happened to check Romania's YouTube page and there, I think it was about 15 minutes in. Um, now, there was no English commentary, but I don't care. It's great to, to watch tier two sides play. Yeah. Um, and some high profile accounts on Twitter as well shared it. So hopefully that their viewership was yeah. up. But, but it, I, got, I, I, got I cannot messaged. understand why 
Yeah. So I, I got messages, I think, from yourself and from Harley as well. Um, messaging me like, are you watching? And I'm watching what? Watching um, Georgia. I was like, you can. And they were like, you can. Um, but Romania have got form for this, haven't they? They've done this in the past of not telling anybody that they were going to show yeah, the game. They did it the week, uh, the week before, last week as well. They did the exact same thing. Um, no, like I, I contacted them on social media by email. Uh, as I mentioned last week, I even emailed them in Romanian. <laughs> Heard nothing back. And yeah, they showed the game. So, plus, thankfully. You've got, you got more followers than um, Romania. And I don't think I'm that popular yet. <laughs> um, but thankfully, we are going to see them this weekend, which is brilliant. <laughs> uh, thankfully, we are going to see them uh, on our screens. More people will, will get to see them this weekend, which is brilliant. Yeah. But, but yeah, anyway, if you yeah. guys from Romanian rugby, uh, for the Romanian rugby and you're listening, advertise if you're going to show a game, please. Just Even if it's not in English. Just do a tweet. Yeah, We'll press translate tweet. Email me and I'll do it. Send me 20 quid and say, Hugh, will you be our promo guy? I'll promo you. It's not, come on, work with us. Anyway, the game. Uh, Georgia won easily. Maybe that's why yeah. Romania didn't tell anybody about it. So it was 56 points to six uh, for Georgia. This was Georgia's first game. So Romania already had a hit out against USA, lost to USA quite comfortably. And Georgia just went through them like they weren't there at times. Um, Wayne Barnes refed it, which was nice. So a lot of these tier yeah. two games had tier one referees, which was really cool. Love Wayne Barnes. Uh, love the way he referees the game. Um, but just from a, a Romanian point of view, we did the scoop obviously yesterday, mate, and we all picked Romania to fix, finish uh, bottom of pool B. Can you see it getting ugly for them at times? It depends. I don't think it it's hard to tell because it depends what, what teams like Ireland's are not going to put out anything close to their first team against them. But having said that, Ireland's second team could really do a job with them. But hopefully not. I, I know yesterday on, on, on Scoop's pod that some people were saying that it could potentially be 100 and 120 points. I don't think it would be that bad. I really no. hope it isn't that bad because it's, nobody wants to see that. Nobody, nobody wants gains anything from that. Um, so but yeah, they, they couldn't be in a more ridiculous group, you know. Who else is there? But Italy, South Africa, Ireland, Scotland, you know. Yeah. Um, so, so that's said about that the better. But you know, good for Georgia. You know, nice. To, I'm glad you're informed. Just as we are about to play against Wales, guys. Well done. We could beat at least cheer me up and beat Scotland next week. How about that? Let's do a deal. Okay. <laughs> You can knock us out of the World Cup if you beat Scotland. Anyway, moving on. Uh, Portugal versus USA. Was this game on TV, Ender? It was not. So contrary to what I've been told by the Rugby Network's Instagram social media team, um, who had initially said, yeah, this game's going to be available internationally, including Ireland and the UK. Um, I then sent them a lot of follow-up direct messages because I really... I just, for whatever reason, I didn't think it was accurate, especially because they um, they weren't advertising it as, as as such. And then, yeah, they eventually got on to me and said they apologised for the mix-up. So, yeah, basically, it wasn't available um, live, which is frustrating. But the good thing is, is that the game um, is available to watch on replay in full. 
but yeah, again, frustrating. So there was no way of watching this legally live, which is, yeah, again, uh, frustrating for especially from a tier two uh, perspective. Um, I don't know if you got a chance to watch the the full game or the or the highlights. Um, I haven't watched the full game. There is a there is an extended highlights, a good ten minutes worth of highlights on YouTube. Um, and Portugal looked really good. So Portugal won, um, forty six points to twenty, I believe. Uh, mm-hmm. It was close at one point, so it was 22 points to 20 early on in the second half. Um, and Portugal actually had a couple of yellow cards. They had a yellow card just before half time and then a yellow card and gave away a penalty try just after half time. But after that, Portugal really cut loose. Portugal is so fun. Oh, great. They're playing against Wales as well. Right. Portugal love running rugby. They've got genuinely fast backs who know how to offload and know how to run a line. They're they're so fun to watch. I can encourage anyone to watch the highlights. Squidge has just done a deep dive on them with uh, Scrum 5 podcast uh, over on BBC Sounds. So you can check that out if you like. Shout out Squidge. Um, They are all about the attack. And it was lovely offloads. Uh, Appleton, which isn't a very Portuguese name. Appleton, their inside centre and also their captain really stood out for me. Really hard to bring down really runs with purpose always you don't know where he's going next i think he's going to be the guy for me to to keep watching um throughout the world cup it was quite a loose game like so the usa got a couple of intercepts there were some balls going down and bouncing up into players hands and things running in from halfway um but it's great fun great fun and you know portugal it's good to see these european nations doing well and getting exciting and the thing i want to impress guys not just with jordan as well it's it's proper rugby it's like deception in their backs moves you know there's balls out the back they're playing proper formations and things it's not they're not pub teams these are proper professional rugby teams now portugal are going to be fully professional at this world cup whereas they were all amateur back in 2007 when they last competed so yeah so if they are by some fluke on telly give them a watch because they're hell of a they're a hell of a watch anyway so that's that one uh tonga beat canada midweek midweek rugby mate what's that about yeah um I'll tell you one thing it's not going to be televised unless it's the npc and um, so another frustrating one so apparently it wasn't televised because there wasn't the facilities in tonga to televise it that's a joke that's ridiculous and that is a massive stain on world rugby for me that is a mark against you guys tonga and canada are historic rugby nations these are like ogs of rugby they've got just as much right to be on a rugby pitch as anyone in tier one why is there not the facilities in place to broadcast the game i think there was a there was a stream out on facebook apparently it wasn't very reliable also while we're here tonga tweet more they use Facebook for everything, and nobody's on Facebook anymore. Anyway, Tonga won easily is the news, and they also had a red card. Uh, you can jump onto Jared Wright's Twitter and search for the highlights of Tonga's red card. We call it the Sam Warburton tackle. Picks up a guy, drops okay. him on his head. Oh, good. Oh well. But anyway, as we'll come on to later, they're having round two tomorrow or the day after. We'll come on to it. But anyway, so that was that one. Finally, shock result of the weekend. 
And I don't mean England winning a rugby match. I mean um, Namibia beats Chile in Chile. That this is remarkable. Namibia don't win very many rugby games outside of Africa. And Chile are obviously the game, the team that everyone's excited about. Chile haven't had a great year. They lost to Uruguay. They lost to Argentina 15 quite easily. And now they've lost to Namibia. Chile were 26 points to seven up in this game. I think in the second half as well. And then it was just drop balls, collapsed malls, giving away yellow cards. I think they had like two two men sent off. I think they were down to 13 at one point. Um, intercepts, just a bit of a collapse from Chile. And the, the crowd were booing. It turned a bit ugly, to be honest. And it's not a great look. And if you're going into the World Cup group, um, I think they're in Pool D, aren't they? Um, they, there are teams in Pool D that they could potentially challenge, but just not on this form, sadly. Um, I think you've got to be beating Namibia at home. So, yeah, but great, great for Namibia. Um, they really looked up for it as well. Um, they've been, I think Namibia have been to however many World Cups in a row and never won a game. Yeah, yeah all, all power to you guys. Best of luck. And I'm so I'm so happy for the individuals in that team. Um, it's group, it's group, it's pool A they're in actually, yeah, with the uh, New oh, Zealand, it? France, Italy, and Uruguay. So, oh, uh, is it the Matt Proudfoot but, um, effect? I wonder, because he's joined their their coaching staff in preparation for the World Cup. Who knows? Who knows? Best of luck to him. Anyway, <laughs> right. One quick plug. Uh, so you've heard me talk about the Substack. So Substack is a completely free subscription platform that you can jump on. Any content that either myself or Ender put out, um, if you sign up completely for free, put your email in there, you'll get an email direct with that content uh, from us. And one of the features that we do there is we share all of the links to all of the YouTube highlights of all of these games. So if you didn't catch these games, sign up to our sub stack and you'll get the highlights sent straight to your inbox every week after the games. Just get on it, guys. It's really worth getting on to. Okay, mate. So you tell me about NPC then. Yeah, so there again, there were three games shown this past week, which is brilliant on Sky. Um, they weren't too early as well. Like one, I think, was 8.05, the others, I think, 8.35, and then the other one was 8.05 again. So some reasonable um, kickoff times as well, which is great. Uh, so, and there is more midweek will be coming up uh, this week, which we'll chat about in a bit. But yeah, so on Wednesday, morning uh jack good was actually playing for northland uh versus taranaki um, and then on friday brad weber who arguably should have been in the world the uh, all-back world, yeah, um, world cup yeah he was playing for hawks bay versus counties america like which is just mad um and speaking of of kind of the, the superstars uh, if you can call them that in this league like he also had um, Sean Reedy, former uh, Ulster and Ireland player, was playing. Uh, Hoskins Satutu was playing. Um, so I mean, it's it's a really and it's it's a really good kind of league to watch just if you want to see some superstars playing, but also just to see some running uh, rugby. Plenty of scores. Uh, plenty. And again, as we discussed last week, the production value is is really good as well. So it's a lot better than a lot of the the tier two rugby that you you might see. Extra players. Um, so in the Tasman team, you had Tavatavanawai and uh, Omua, who played for Moana uh, this year. They were Moana's best players. They've now actually signed for New Zealand franchises. So Tavatavanawai mm-hmm. is going to be at the Highlanders, I think. 
and Amua is going to be at the Crusaders. Watch out for these guys. Um, they absolutely bossed it in this game. They were like taking the mick um, out of Auckland's who they were playing against. Um, these guys could be All Blacks very soon. So tune in, guys, because you're not only seeing people who have been All Blacks, you're going to see the next suite of All Blacks. If we'd have been watching last season, we could have all seen Tame Country coming. So really worth a watch. Anyway, moving on to the Scottish Super Not Six, because there's seven of them. <laughs> um, so the try fest continues last week it was an absolute free-for-all uh, everybody's scoring tries um, and it's continued so Watsonians absolutely battered Boromir Bears Watsonians are currently sitting top of the table unbeaten from their three matches um, Heriots have got a game in hand um, so they had their bye week last week they beat Wolves uh, Sterling Wolves this week in a nine try thriller um, so yeah again I think these games are two of the three games every week are streamed on YouTube on Scottish Rugby Union YouTube page. So well worth a watch. It's they are currently the only games being shown on Friday night. So if you're at home and you need your Friday night fix because the URC isn't on, um, stick this on. It's it's a couple of camera angles. It's nothing fancy, but the rugby isn't isn't crap. You know, it's it's. A decent, impressive level. And I think particularly Watsonians and Heriots are, are doing good stuff as well. Um, so like I said, Watsonians top, uh, Heriots second. Um, and then the Knights lost to the Bulls as well. So that's the roundup of all of the uh, all of the tier two rugby guys. And moving on to the rugby coming up this week. Unfortunately, actually, it does look like there will only be one Super 6 or Super Series game, I should say, on this week. The only confirmed game uh, is on Friday with the Bulls versus the Harriets, um, and that's on at 7.30 at on Scottish Rugby YouTube. So, it remains to be seen whether or not there'll be a game shown on Saturday, but hopefully we'll know more by Thursday. But for now, anyway, there's definitely going to be a Friday game. And speaking of Friday night games, I know you mentioned that that's the only rugby currently on, but it's about to change this Friday because somehow the top 14 is back this week. <laughs> top 14 is back already. Um, top Hooray! 14 is back. The Pro Team oh, is actually uh, back on Thursday, but of course we can't watch that. That was another game that we forgot to mention about that we all found out by surprise was that Toulon were streaming their preseason friendly against Bordeaux and we all got to watch Alwyn Jones playing in um Toulon's lovely kit also made by Nike. Nike, please send me money. Um so yeah, so that was nice. So we all got to tune in and watch French commentary with one camera angle from a mostly empty stadium, <laughs> watching Toulon get slightly battered by Bordeaux. Um but that was nice. But now it's proper and a two a Toulon the first televised game was it Toulouse. This coming week the first game is Toulouse. So Bayonne are playing Toulouse. Um, so that, yes, beyond, beyond playing Toulouse at 8.05 on Friday. And there's going to be linear cutting coverage. So despite everything that's gone on at Viaplay, um, they're going ahead with their coverage of the top 14 um, this coming season. So yeah, so beyond beat Toulouse on Viaplay Sports 2 on Friday. Um, in Ireland, unfortunately, that game is not being shown live. But there is a full replay on Premier Sports 1 at... 12.30 in the morning on Saturday. Um, but obviously you can watch that on demand. Um, what other games are on the top 14 this weekend? On Saturday, we've actually back-to-back games. Um, so Racing are playing Bordeaux 
Again, that's on Viaplay Sports 2 at 1 o'clock. That's also been shown live, thankfully, in Ireland on Premier Sports 2. And now... Both those teams made the semi-final last year, so that's actually mm-hmm. a big game. And then that is followed by Lyon versus Toulon at 3 p.m. Unfortunately, that game has only been shown in the UK on Viaplay Sports 2. But again, it's on um, their linear channel, so that's good. Now, usually... Uh, and yeah, again, yeah, we, we don't have any confirmed Irish coverage, but there is going to be um, delayed coverage of that on over the weekend, uh, which I'm going to tweet about tomorrow. Now, usually I play show up to four games a weekend. So there is another game. There's only one game on Sunday, which is Montpellier versus La Rochelle at present. Uh, it doesn't look like it's going to be televised. I did get in touch with Viaplay who said, Keep an eye out on our website. We don't know yet. They only confirmed those three fixtures. And as of the time recording now on Monday night, we don't know yet um, if that game is going to be shown. A lot of these Sunday games last season were shown on the app only and weren't shown on their linear channel. Um, so watch, uh, keep an eye out on my Twitter for that and we'll see. Uh, but look, it's great to, It's great that it's back. Um, I'm yeah. looking forward to it. I don't know about you. V- Via plays um, top 14 comms is one of my favourite comms, actually, because uh, the guy, I don't know his name, I'm going to have a quick look for Le, Le French podcast, because the same guys do that. Um, I know who you're talking, I just don't know the name, but yeah, he's brilliant, yeah, and French, he knows his top 14. Uh, and he speaks French, so when they do the interviews, he translates for you, and when he gets really excited, he lapses into French. So, okay, so it's Tim Groves is the name of the guy, and Johnny BT, uh, who I Johnny think BD, still lives yeah. in France, so Scottish International yeah. Um, still lives in France. They do the co-coms for it. It's great. And they do the French rugby podcast as well. Um, and like I said, if, if something amazing happens, the Tim Groves starts going, c'est incroyable. It's great. Gets you out of your seat. So yeah, tune in. One of my favourite coverages. Um, and also, just to say, if anyone's thinking, oh, it's the top 14, but all the stars are going to be at the World Cup. No, because uh, they've got this medical jokers thing, which allows them to sign extra players. So, like we said, Alwyn Jones is there. Um, is it Lola Seo, the Australian fly half, is also uh, playing for Toulon? Uh, we've seen, actually, kind of sadly, um, one of the Fafita brothers drop out of the Tonga team to go and play for, who was it? They've gone to, he's gone to play for today. Oh, yeah. Oh, right. So, the recently promoted team. Mm-hmm. So, there are going to be stars there, guys. There, there are going to be faces you know, players that you you look up to will be playing in these games. So a lot of people say that the top 14 is the best league. We'll see about that. But it starts this weekend. What else is on? And also, uh, just last thing I want to say about the top 14, there is a preview show on all week on both Premier Sports and on Viaplay. Um, so keep an eye out for that. It's only about a half an hour, but it, it'll be nice for in terms of a, a build-up. So what other rugby is coming up this week? So let's have a look. So we've spoken about the top 14. We've spoken about um, the Super Series. Um, yeah, I mentioned earlier the NPC is back. So again, there's another midweek game. Uh, Hawks Bay are playing Waikato uh, on Sky Sports Action. And that's at 6.35 in the morning for anyone who's up if early. If there's any Welsh supporters thinking, where do I know Waikato from? Warren Gatland is a Waikato man and talks about it semi-frequently. And then we have another NPC game on Friday at 8.05. We've um, got Counties Malakau versus the Bay of Plenty, again on Sky Sports Action. And Saturday morning, we have Northland versus 
Tasman. Again, that is on Sky Sports Action and also on now. I decided Tasman in my favorite. Is that right? Are they, t- are they top? <laughs> is that why? No, or? no, I don't know if they're top, but they've got Tava Tava Nairai, so they're my favorite. Um, and then coming up, coming on to the World Cup warm-up games. So actually a good few on this weekend. So we've got Wales versus South Africa. 3.15 on Amazon Prime and Premier Sports 2 in Ireland. We've got Ireland versus England on Amazon Prime UK, 42 in Ireland. That is unfortunately clashing with Italy versus Romania, which is also on at 5.30 on Saturday. It's like the first, first tier two nation to be on like proper broadcast by Amazon. And it clashes. They're both Amazon as well. No excuses. <laughs> what is going on? Yeah. So, so for, yeah, anyone in the UK wants to watch it, yeah, it'll be on Amazon, as, as you said, and then also on Premier Sports in Ireland, which are yeah, incredibly frustrating. But uh, all is not lost because France are playing Fiji at 8.05 on Saturday evening as well on Prime and on Premier Sports 2 uh, in Ireland. So, yeah, got a, quite a bit to look, to look forward to there, I think. Um. I believe actually that the game, yeah, the France Fiji game, I don't think it's actually been shown live on Premier Sports 2. I think that's actually going to be on replay, but I'll confirm that on Thursday. Um, what else? Last thing I want to mention in terms of games going with this weekend is the Women's Interprovincial uh, Championship uh, continues, uh, which is great yeah. because it's free to wear as well. So we've got Leinster women playing Ulster women at 1 p.m. on Saturday. So that's been shown on TG Car. And it's also so being shown is, on the BBC iPlayer. This is just the the four Irish provinces all play each other. Exactly, yeah. I saw, I saw a clip of uh, the Munster scrum half showing some absolute wheels and a step on a to score an absolute worldy uh, last weekend. Yeah, and Connacht had a great win against uh, Leinster, which was a big surprise. That was brilliant. And uh, the other game on this Saturday is Munster versus Connacht. And again, that's on TG Car and that's at 3.15. So that's it in terms of our rugby guide for the week. The one thing I want to say as well for anybody who has, I'm sure most of you or most of the listeners and people watching YouTube have seen it, but Chasing the Sun, the documentary on um, South Africa's World Cup triumph in 2019 is on Sky Sports Mix all week. Watch it. Uh, it's only five episodes. It's it's absolutely brilliant. I don't know if you've seen it, Hugh. I haven't. I've heard a lot about it. I've seen clips. Um I'm I'm remiss in not watching it, so I shall. It is it'll yeah. You might get another lump in your throat to be honest. Um but yeah, definitely recommend that. But well, I'll um, watch think, the episodes of where they play Wales again, see if we win this time. Yeah, just keep trying, just keep watching it over and just over keep and trying. I I'm, it's like this semi final against France. I'm sure if I watch that enough times, we'll win eventually. Um so I think that's pretty much it. Uh, so again, yeah, thanks for everyone uh, for listening again and for tuning in. Do you have any final words? No, just thank you to all, all the love and support so far, guys. Uh, like we said, hit subscribe, hit like. Um, it helps us grow. We want to bring Tier 2 Rugby to as many people as we want, and we want to help all of the rugby community know when and where to watch as much rugby as their heart desires. So you can help us doing that by giving us a review, sharing us around, uh, and just inflating our numbers as much as possible. So thank you and have a great week. Boom. End of the recording. Sports Social Podcast Network.
Let's talk about Medi-Cal. You have a choice, and Molina makes it easy, especially when it comes to the care you need. So let's talk about you, about making your life easier, about extra help to manage your health. Let's talk about your needs now and for the future. Nobody knows Medi-Cal better than Molina. It starts with a phone call. Call 866-420-5330 or visit meetmolinaca.com. Let's talk today.